0: listening to a teaching from Vineyard Church in Jacksonville, Florida. For more information on teachings and special events, visit us online at www.vcjax.org. That's vcjax.org. Now let's listen in. We are in what book in the Bible? Ephesians, and we've been going through a series. I'm glad at least one of you know. What book have we been talking about? The Bible, what book in the Bible? Ephesians. Ephesians. Are you all with me this morning? Ephesians. And we've been going through a series, and we've actually called it Sit, Walk, and Stand. We've been looking at the sit part, which is where basically what that means is we're hearing from the Scripture and understanding who God says that we are and what He's done in our lives and where we stand as Christians, as believers, that this, this, is, this has happened, okay, and this is what He's done. And us, I'm going to read verses 7 through 14. I'll have it on the screen because I want to read it again out of the message translation. So you can follow in your Bibles if you want. Um, if you have an app, you can probably have the message translation on it. You can pull that up or you can just look up there on the screen and read it with us there. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, His blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we're a free people. We could just stop right there, couldn't we? We're a free doesn't, doesn't just something sound good about that. We're no you know what free means? You're no longer in bondage. You're no longer a slave. We're a free people, free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all our misdeeds and not just barely free either abundantly free he thought of everything provided for everything that we could possibly need letting us in on the plans that he took such delight in making remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about how he how he was rich in grace and how he lavished that on us remember that if you don't remember it, you can go to our podcast, you can go to our website, you can pull up there, and, and there's some, just some awesome preaching that you can listen to on there. And uh, I do encourage you, though, seriously, to go back and listen and to re-listen and just let it sink into into your spirit. He's provided us for everything. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him everything in deepest heaven everything on the planet earth it is in christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for long before we first heard of christ and gave our hopes up we, he had his eye on us don't don't you just i, I mean that just just do something to you before before this place was even here before the earth was here. Okay, Before the planet was here, God had you in his mind. Let's try that again. <laughs> before, in other words, before you ever did anything wrong, Before you were on the planet, before you were born, before your mom and daddy ever thought about you, before the planet was here, before Adam and Eve were here, before any of that, God had you and me in mind to pour, not just in mind, but to pour out his love on us. Man, that's just, that's good stuff. And where'd I go? Let's try 11 again. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for long before we first heard of Christ and got our our hopes up. He had his eye on us, had designs for us for glorious living. (laughs) Part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and everyone. Verse 13. It is in Christ that you, everybody say you, look at your neighbor and say you, in Christ you. And me, you can say me too if you want to. In Christ, in us, once you heard the truth and you believed it, this message of your salvation, you look at this—you found yourself home, free, signed, sealed, and delivered. Isn't there a song like that? (laughs) So, in in Jesus, in Christ, we found ourselves with the Holy Spirit and a son sealed and delivered by the holy spirit this signet from god is the first installation on what's coming a reminder that we will get everything god has planned for us a praising and glorious life and that's just good man i'm telling you guys you need to get the bible out during the week and read this thing there's some good stuff in here <laughs> Especially Ephesians. I mean, you guys should have already read Ephesians 30 times by now. Why are you looking at me like I'm crazy? It's a a small book. It's what, four pages maybe? How many pages is it? Don't count. I'll count them later. Read it. Get into it. Read it. All right, we're going to concentrate this morning on verses 13 and 14. We're going to read it in the NIV and in the New Living Translation. And you also, verse 13, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you were believed, and here's the part we're going to concentrate on. When you were believed, you were marked in him with a seal. You with me? When you believed. When, when, when you believed means what? When you believed, when you entered into Christ, when salvation came, when that happened and you trusted in Jesus, you were marked with a seal. That seal is the Holy Spirit. Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Let's read a New Living Translation. It says this. And now you Gentiles who have heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. When you believed in Christ, he identified you. Look at this. As is on by giving you what? By giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is God's guarantee that he will give you the inheritance he has promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. That's just, man, that's just some good stuff right there, guys. You've heard me share a couple of times in seminary many, many moons ago, there seemed to be two or three pet things that just kept coming up that was always an argument about something. And we've hit a couple of them already in these scriptures. One of them, we talked about the election versus free will. Remember us talking about that? Any of you remember that? Yes. All right. We talked about whether we were elected or where we got to choose. And my 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 uh uh Theological, in-depth understanding to that was, yes, we are elected and we do have free will, okay? We get both. And we always talked about, when I say talked, I mean, there were some heated, I mean, these guys were pastors, okay? Okay. But there were some heated arguments and discussion about whether Jesus was coming back pre-tribulation or whether he was coming back post-tribulation. Some people threw in mid-tribulation. Some people didn't know, have a clue one way or the other. That's where I was at. Um, but, you know, there was always this debate back and forth, arguing back and forth. And from Scripture, it seems like you can prove both. Okay. I mean, literally, I could take scripture right now and convince you, or maybe not convince you, but at least show you from scripture, there seems to be scriptural support that says Jesus is coming back before the tribulation. There also seems to be scriptural support that says he's coming back after the tribulation. Y'all figure it out and let me know what you come up with. Also, part of that debate, and here was a good one. Now, this was a Baptist seminary, okay? Also, part of that debate was once saved, always saved. <laughs> Now, that one really got the feathers ruffled, okay? Once you're saved, you're always saved. That's Baptist theology. That's Bible theology, if that's what you believe it says. And and once you're in, you're always in. You can't get out, right? However... (laughs) There seems to be some scriptures, especially in Hebrews, if you read Hebrews, there seems to be some scriptures. It seems like, lest we drift away, Hebrews 6, seems like there's some places in there where we're trampling underfoot, again, what Jesus has done if we walk away. So there's some questionable questions in there. I myself personally would lean more toward once I've committed my life to Jesus and I'm his follower, it would be real, 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 real tough for me to get out of that (laughs) why would i want to i mean once you've met jesus why would you want to walk away right i mean, in reality why would you want to do that so here's my perspective and from this scripture why am i bringing this out the scripture we just said read says this that we are sealed and that seal is what the seal is what What when we need to read again Guys, y'all got to talk back to me a little bit. Do I, I'm going to have to call Frederick Pinckney and get him to bring his church down here so I can get a little talk back here. <laughs> the, si- the actual seal, that's a black pastor friend of mine for you guys that don't know. The seal, is, is, the seal itself is actually the Holy Spirit. You with me? Now, if the time, from the time I believed, from the time I trusted in Jesus, gave my life to him, surrendered my life, called him Lord, confessed with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, from the time I was saved, this scripture says, the Holy Spirit came upon me and became my seal. Now, just that in and by itself is enough for me to think, if he's sealing me, who can get to me? <laughs> right? I mean, he, if he's the seal in my life, then, then who could take that away? Now, the seal, look at, the seal actually stands in symbolism for several different things. One is this. A seal, if you remember, you've probably seen it on TV or movies, when somebody sealed an envelope, they sealed it and they put a what on it? They put a stamp on there. A lot of times it was made out of wax. They built some wax and they stamped it with their seal. That seal meant a lot of things. Okay? One of the things it meant was this. It meant that this was a finished transaction. Sometimes when, when people would have, in this, you, you can still do that today. If you go to, to sign a mortgage or do some of those things, a lot of times there's a seal that's put on there and you sign it. That means that this is a finished transaction. So when, when the Holy Spirit seals us, that says to us, that says that the, the transaction has been completed. In fact, is, I think I remember somewhere where Jesus made this statement when he was on the cross. It is finished. There's, look at me. There's nothing else that you and I have to do other than just trust and believe. That's it. He did it all. Every bit of it. In fact, as we just got in a discussion the other day, Steve and I, we were talk- at lunch talking about one of his friends that, has, uh, that just kind of has a struggle with that. That if you happen to die and you've got sin in your life, then that means you're going to go to hell. Okay, If you weren't confessed up and fixed up and straightened out before you got there. That's just kind of scary to me. You know why? Because it ain't based on me. <laughs> It's based on Jesus. It's based on the work He accomplished. It's based on what He did. The Scripture says that the sin in my life because of that has been separated from me as far as the east is from the west. That's a long ways. It says that He'll never... Look, look at me. It says He will never... What's never mean? Never. It says He will never remember those sins against us again. Amen? Look at me. I don't have to, I don't have to walk around or drive around worried about. Oh my God, if I if I screw up. See, here's my here's my thought on that. What if I'm driving down the road? Okay, I'm driving down the road and I look over at this billboard and there's this knockout, you know, beautiful in some kind of bikini girl on the thing, and I stop. I don't stop. I'd be run over. But I'm riding down the road, and for a split second, I have this lustful thought come into my mind. And as I'm having that lustful thought, I'm looking at the billboard, and I drive off the side of the road into a bankman, and I die. Am I going to hell? Not if I'm a follower of Jesus. And Why? Because he took care of that sin. You with me? I would have... Anyway, it's finished. (laughs) He did it. Another thing the seal stands for is this, and I love this. It stands for ownership. The Holy Spirit is sealing us, and what it stands for is that God owns us. Let me ask you a question. If the Holy Spirit has sealed me, you with me? And God owns me... (laughs) How in the world can I lose that? Just a question for thought. Shows that we're His. We belong to Him. There's hundreds of scriptures that talks about how we're His children. We belong to Him. we We just studied a couple of weeks ago how He purchased us. He redeemed us. He paid the price. He paid the penalty. He paid the ransom price for our sins. And now He owns us. I like the fact that God owns me. You with me? I, I like the fact that, that I can, as, as, a, as a human being, an earthling, here on the planet, I like the fact that God owns me. That, mean, that means a lot. See, when I own something, I protect it. Right? I mean, if I own something, I, there's few things I own that are in my home, and I, I'm going to protect them. God owns us. He's going to watch over us. He protects us. It also means this, and this goes hand in hand with that. When, you, when you've sealed something, it has this idea of security, that we're secure in him. What, what better security can we have than the fact that when we got saved, God put the Holy Spirit on us as a seal? Man, I just that ought to mean so much to us when, when I think of the fact that when i 'm walking through this life and I 'm going through trials and difficulties and things and the enemy's coming at me and, and different stuff's happening in my life, if I just can rest and stop and realize, you know what, the Holy Spirit lives in me, and he 's my seal. What, what can get through that? What can tamper with that? What can break that seal? Zippo, nada. What can, what can? In other words, are, are, can are you tracking with me? What what can what can get past the Holy Spirit lives in me, lives on me, He's sealing me. What what can get past that to get to me, or get past Him to get to me? Nothing. In fact, is look. What, look I'm going to read this to you in the message. I think I got it up here for you to, to follow with me. It says this. Paul says this in Romans. So what do you think? With God on our side, now what we just read, is God on our side? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else that he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us and look what it says and who would dare even to point a finger the one who died for us who has been raised to life for us is in the presence of God at this very moment sticking up for us (laughs) he's interceding for us the Bible says that's what it says in the the new NIV that he's ever living interceding in other words sticking up for us This is Jesus we're talking about. (laughs) Do you think... hmm, Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There's no way. (laughs) That's what it says. No, nothing... No, do you think anything or any person or any spirit is there anything out there that could drive somehow, come in and, and separate us from the love of God? That's, what, that's the question Paul's asking. No way. Not trouble. Any of you guys ever experienced trouble? Not hard times. Any of you ever had, had any hard times? Not hatred. Not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. (laughs) Is that powerful? None of those, nothing can separate us from the love of God. He quotes the scriptures, they kill us in cold blood because they hate us. We're sitting ducks, they pick us off one by one. None of this fazes us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, everybody say nothing. nothing, nothing. I'm absolutely, Paul says this, I'm completely convinced, absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, Today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Is that powerful? Look at me. We don't don't have to walk around in fear that somehow or another I'm going to lose this thing. We don't have to walk around in fear that somewhere or another, you know, I may do something that offends God. Look at me. You will more than likely do something that offends God. (laughs) But you know what? He's dealt with that. He's paid the price for that. God doesn't doesn't get easily offended. (laughs) Not only that... (laughs) Not only is he our seal, but if we go on and read the rest of the verse, he is our deposit. Not only is he sealed us, but the scripture says that he's the, the deposit. Now think, let me read some of these definitions to you. The Holy Spirit is described, and some versions translate it the earnest. It's an earnest. It's a deposit of our inheritance. The Greek word for earnest is arbon. Vincent, who does a word study, may have heard of Vincent Word Studies. He defines it as money or caution money deposited by a purchaser in pledge of full amount. You with me? When you give it a deposit to some to somebody for something, what are you saying? I'm giving you this deposit, and it's a guarantee of what? Full payment. payment. You there? Scripture is saying the Holy Spirit, that God gives the Holy Spirit to us as a deposit for future payment. (laughs) That... How many of you have ever given a deposit to something and weren't able to fulfill it? Any of you? I've done that. Yes. I, I've had difficult times financially. I gave a deposit for something, thought I'd be able to pay for it, wasn't able to pay for it, had to give it back. That's called bankruptcy. That's called foreclosure. That's called repossession. Okay? That's what happens when you've paid for something, given part of it. Look at me. God, (laughs) He's the one that put the deposit down. He doesn't have any problems fulfilling that obligation. You with me? God, he, He gave the Holy Spirit to us as a deposit. And when God puts a deposit down, He's big enough to pay the fulfillment of that. He's big enough to take care of the rest of it. God gave us the Holy Spirit as a deposit. An earnest or deposit is a part given in advance of what will be bestowed fully afterwards. I mean, mean, just think for a second. (laughs) We have the Holy Spirit in us. What we have now is just, it's just a portion of all that we're going to get, of all that's coming, of all that we have. He's a deposit of future fulfillment that's coming, that's happened. Okay, it's happened. Remember the now and the not yet. It's happened and it's happening. You with me? The Holy Spirit dwells in us. He's the deposit for what God says He's going to fully do in our lives. It's earnest money, which which in purchase is given as a pledge or a down payment that the full amount will be subsequently paid. I love what Paul says in Philippians. He says this in chapter 1, verse 6. In NIV it says this, Being confident of this, He who began a good work in you will carry it on into completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That that ought to just give us peace. (laughs) It ought to give us rest. It ought to give us a confidence. Paul says this. He's saying, I'm confident in you. I'm confident in you that the God who started a work in you, that that started it, that he's going to complete it in you. God's going to do that. In the message it says this, There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day that Christ Jesus appears. In Corinthians it says this, very similar to the verse we just read in Ephesians. And he has identified us as his own by placing what? The Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment. Look what he says. He's living in us as the first installment, the earnest, the deposit that guarantees everything he has promised us. That's what he's saying here when he says the Holy Spirit is our deposit. I want to close with this 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 was just so cool to me as I was studying this the the Greek word which is in the New testament for for the word translating here is as earnest and deposit okay don't this doesn't get too technical technical so follow with me. the Greek word is arabon okay that's the word that we're reading in Ephesians and red hair in Corinthians where it says he was a deposit or earnest that's the word arabon now listen to this. In the modern Greek, Greek that's spoken now, in modern Greek, Erabona. you with me? One is Erebon, that's the deposit, that's the earnest. Erabona is translated, look at this, engagement ring. Now just think about that for a second. It, it's, it's the derivative, it's a word that comes from, the root word of Erabona is Erebon, and it means this. When you think about it, this for a second, when you think, what a great picture of Jesus giving us an engagement ring in the Holy Spirit. You with me? When you, when you, when you give someone an engagement ring, when a guy gives a girl, let's, let's clarify that. When a guy gives a girl an engagement ring, what's he saying to her? That I'm promising something. What's he promising? To marry, to marry her. It's the same word that's translated for a deposit or is translated as an earnest. When Jesus says, I've given you the Holy Spirit as a promise, the word effect is, isn't there somewhere in the Bible where it talks about Jesus is the bridegroom, bridegroom and we are the bride so he gave us in a sense he gives us the holy spirit in a sense like it's a, like an engagement ring to us and he's promising in this engagement ring, guys we're we're going to be married <laughs> we're going to have a party we're going, there's going to be a feast, there's going to be a celebration, and, and the bridegroom is getting herself ready, and one of these days Jesus is coming back to meet this, not the bridegroom, the bride's getting herself ready, bridegroom's already took care of that, and the bride's getting herself ready, and Jesus is going to come back, and we're going to be united together forever. Is that a cool picture? Think of the Holy Spirit, in a sense, as being, he's, he's like a, he's a promise to us, an engagement, and he's, where's he at? He's in us. So you and I, we look at him, we don't, we don't have to walk in fear, we don't have to walk in, you know, what's going to happen next, what, you know, man, life is tough, and this is happening, and, you know, all these things are coming against us. We don't, we don't have to. We don't have to focus on those things. We can focus on the fact that the Holy Spirit lives in me. He lives in you. And he's the seal. He's the seal against stuff that the enemy wants to throw against you. He's a seal. Paul said in Romans, nothing, 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 nothing can come against that. Nothing can separate us from that. Let me ask you a question. Does your sin come under the category of nothing <laughs> how about how about you having a tough time how about how about things are just going hard right now in your life does that does that does that come under that category of something that cannot separate you from the love of god yeah. absolutely i mean there's as we were singing the songs this morning about God being good, I was just I just kept coming back to this thought, you know, it's easy to say he's good when everything's going good, (laughs) right? You know, you just got a big fat check in the mail, you know, you just won the lottery. (laughs) That's right, we're Christians, we don't pay the lottery, do we? Um, (laughs) You know, something happened good. It's easy, It's easy. What hap- but what happens when you're in a place in life where something you're struggling with something, there's an issue in your life, there's something that's going on, or some kind of, maybe there's some kind of sickness that's involved, or maybe you're just having a tough time financially right now, or maybe there's some relationship problems that are going on in your life. It's easy at that point to question and wonder, God, are you, are you good? And I'm telling you, when we, if we, if we will just make ourselves, just take a minute, take a second, if we will make ourselves and just enter into a time, one of my favorite things to do when I'm going through a tough time is worship. And it's not cause it's some kind of fix it. I don't do it just to get fixed. I worship because he's worthy to worship. Okay. But there's something that happens in my worship of God as I understand who He is. As I confess, as we sing this morning and we sing out of our hearts and we say, God, you're good. You're good, God. You're an awesome God. You're a loving God. God, you love me so much. As we begin to speak those things and begin to declare those things, we can begin to recognize and understand what we just studied. You know what? The Holy Spirit lives in me. He's the seal. It doesn't matter what the enemy throws at me. He can't break through that barrier. That's that's good news. (laughs) Isn't it? It doesn't matter how bleak it looks. It doesn't matter how tough things are. Nothing (laughs) can separate us from God, from His love. The Holy Spirit. Spirits in us. He's the deposit that the Father put in us. Guarantee the deposit from God is a guarantee for the fulfillment payment that's coming. the. the The consummation of everything that Jesus has already done on the cross, that fulfillment of that. We just read that a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was last week in Ephesians. The fulfillment of that as it comes, it's coming, it's going to happen. The completeness of that, where we'll be in a place where there is no more sin, there is no more sickness, there is no more disease, there is no more poverty. some point in time, that's going to happen. Right now, we live in a place where the enemy still does those things. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Why? Because God lives in me. The Holy Spirit is in me. He's protecting me from that stuff. And I can stand on the scripture. I can stand on the truth of the word. And I don't have to believe his lies. I don't have to fall into the trap of believing that he tells you that you're this and you're that and you're worthless and you're not any good and you're always good. You ever hear that word always? You're You're always going to be like that. Most of the time when always comes... It doesn't mean always. It's a lie. Just write that down. Think about it. Josh, come on down, buddy. We're going going to enter into a time of worship here for a few minutes. I want you guys to practice. Let's stand. Let's stand up. The sense I had this morning as I was praying about this, and it's like, God, what are you, what are you wanting to do? Uh, other than just hearing truth, other than, other than hearing the truth of your word, what are you, what are you wanting to do this morning in our lives? And, and the sense I had was this. I just had this sense that there's some folks here that, that have, and you need to understand this, that have a, um, what I would term an, unho- an un- unholy fear of God. In other words, the Scripture teaches us that, we, that we're to fear the Lord, okay? We're to stand in awe of who He is. We're to be in reverence of who He is. The Scripture is full of teaching like that. But there's an unholy fear. An unholy fear is a one that has a fear that God's just out to get them. You know, God's out. Y'all have heard my testimony that God's just, He's just waiting. He just wants you to step out of line so He can get you. But he's just this... And that, look at me. Set, according to statistics, polls that have been happening just in the last few years in America, the, the, the statistic, the poll says this. 75%. 75%. That's three out of four. I learned that in Englewood. <laughs> three out of... Three out of four... Look at me. Three out of four people that you and I bump into out there, three out of four of them believe that God is an angry, mean God that's out to get them. You know, what our, you know what we're supposed to be doing? is showing them that God is a loving, caring Father. God is is the is the story of the prodigal when the, when the son comes home after sinning, after blowing it, after messing up. It's the picture of the father that runs after him, not to beat him up, not to condemn him, not to whip him, but runs after him with his arms open wide saying, you're my son. You've come home. That's the picture of God that we get to share. And so the sense I had was that there's just, and sometimes it can be Sometimes it can be subtle. Sometimes you don't it's not like you purposely think and put that in your mindset that, that I think God's out to get me. But sometimes it can be just the subtle undertone of what's in your spirit and what's in your heart, the subtleness that just thinks, you know, I'm not really certain. I think I think God just He's mad at me. <laughs> he's mean. He's angry. And both of the other sense I had was this both of them have to do with fear one's a fear that's an an unholy fear of God okay the other fear is this it's the fear it's the sense that i have that i am not able to live up to this it's just the sense in your in your heart the sense in your being that says you know what i just i just keep i keep falling i keep failing I can't live up to this thing i'm i'm just I, I, I'm, just, I'm ready to give up on it. That's a, that's a fear from the enemy. God lives in you. The Holy Spirit. If you're a follower of Christ, if you've called out on Jesus and said, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, thank you that you've forgiven my sins. Jesus, I confess you as Lord. Jesus, I'm calling on your name to be saved. If you've done that, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And you don't have to walk in fear. You've been listening to a teaching from Vineyard Church in Jacksonville, Florida. For more information on teachings and special events, please visit us online at www.vcjax.org. That's vcjax.org.